guys, it's November the 26th. Welcome to another episode of We Are Curious. My name is Ali Mwakaneno. I'm here to bring you all the good news and, as usual, some bad news that happened this week. I am joined by... Um, the one, the only, Hamisa Rollins, co-founder Culture Capture. And myself here, Felix Ucheng, your analyst here at Hisa Technologies. That's right. Before we start, guys, how has your week been? Mekwaje. Mine was hectic. I'm still a student. <laughs> so, uh, this is Cuts Week. Wait, you, uh, you call yourself what? Co-founder, Culture Capture. Yeah, co-founder or lead catalyst. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, this week, mostly school, catching up. Uh, because I had cuts, so I had to like catch up with the syllabus and other stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, in terms of work, I have software development at MediaPal, and we have a few issues. We have to catch up on those. So, yeah, that's pretty much been it. It's been hectic, but we're here. It's Friday, so we made it. Yeah, my, how about you, Felix? How was my, your week? My week has been awesome. First of all, guys, um, SpaceX launched. Uh, we have the I think Elon said we are avenging the dinosaurs. So, yeah, we are looking at an anti-meteor um, meteorite defense technology, where we we no longer let um, meteorites get into the Earth's atmosphere. We blow them off before they get even close to us. Right. So, yeah, I think that was pretty much about my week. It was an awesome one for me. Um, uh, we seeing SpaceX, and then also another thing is, I think all the, I don't know, it's all about space. Will that be interesting? I mean, it, if it was interesting for you, that's your thing. My week has been mixed. First of all, um, we have the Kenjan drama going on. Oh my god. A lot of Kenjan drama going on. Uh, I was excited that Uber is entering the cannabis market. Um, disclaimer. Oh, it's not going to be in Kenya, so no disclaimer for me. Um, what else? I heard that M-Pesa is bringing ads to the app. And for me, that, that, felt, that felt iffy. But otherwise, it's been it's been on the right week. What does iffy mean? <laughs> Felix. I was iffy. Iffy. Iffy sounds like effy. No, no, no. Iffy has nothing to do with effy. Iffy is more of unsettling. Okay. Sounds iffy to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was it. Um, anyway, a, a couple of a couple of good things that happened. Well, a couple of things that we're gonna talk about in in today's podcast. Of course, first things first. Um, we have news on um, the Competition Authority of Kenya and what's happening around mortgage and mortgage charges. Then we'll dive in a, a little bit, or maybe a little bit, depending on how Felix feels, into the Kenjan drama. Touch on onto something good. I feel like the High Court has been on a roll. You know, it's been High Court versus KRA. Let's just say, like courts in within this country have been on on some other steroids. Right? I don't know. Yeah, I like I, I like what they did with uh, with exercise duties, mm-hmm. and then four, of course, we have the um, the partnership between KQ and South Africa Airways. Oh yeah, the two dead guys. <laughs> okay, just sorry. I, I <laughs> Felix, I still intend to fly, and um, unfortunately, that's you know that's one of the flights outside this country. So can we please maintain a cordial relationship with these guys? Okay. Right. Come on, but you can fly with a lot of other guys who are actually way cheaper than KQ. And by the way, you've not talked about, you're talking about airlines. We should also remember that Air Tanzania actually began flying the daily flights back to Nairobi. After like 20 years. Man. Yeah, and Air Tanzania is way cheaper than KQ. 
you know, some people were not even born the time yeah. that Tanzania stopped flying into Kenya. Yeah, exactly. So sad. Yeah, so that's that's gonna be. Uh, Ali, I think one of these days we should do um, a podcast about. Uh, business wars between KQ, the East African aviation industry, mm-hmm. and how KQ panned out, and then you bring in, you know, in the last episode, you're bringing in Ethiopian Airlines. Then I, I don't think we can call it business wars, and that we, we might have no. to get a better name. Airline wars, something like that. East African Titans. East African Titans. East African like Titans would exactly. be a good name. We could yes. actually start something like that and just see. You know, look at KCB Equity, uh, you, you look at KQ. Uh, you look at Kenjan KPLC. There actually is a podcast coming up about that, and um, it's it's from one of the members of the team. Yeah. But let's let's hold that thought. Yeah. Let's dive into this. Yeah. Felix, mm-hmm. first things first. What's happening with Kenjan? Alright, guys. So now one of the things that we are having here with Kenjan, uh, in case you're wondering, guys, um, about a month ago, um, Kenjan, which is the 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 country's major um, electricity generator, or electricity producer, if we can call it that, mm-hmm. um, released the financial results for the full year um, 2021. Uh, that was the full year that ended in June. And now what we're seeing here is that over time, you know, we are seeing here that the, um, after a few days, so what, what usually happens guys is all these companies must go through auditing. Mm-hmm. Now the auditor general came in and gave um, qualified opinion. You know how that qualified opinion usually stands out whenever an audit report comes out and for time we've been seeing companies like Kenya Power for example have been having a lot of stuff about unqualified opinion and then now here we see there's a qualified opinion for um, for for Kenjan and the auditor general literally says that they are not able to they, they've seen an issue within the valuation of Kenjan's um, properties mostly the plant machinery and equipment mm-hmm. which Kenjan hasn't been Updating so they've not been looking at you know stuff like plant and machinery. There's a lot that happens first of all they depreciate The value so there's always the depreciation and amortization right in all of this These are factors in which Kenjan was not putting into place and so one of the things that really comes in at this point is The Auditor General is telling Kenjan. Hey, you know what? We don't know what you guys are talking about in this in this all this valuation This is something that you guys are not jumping into and then what happens next now is Kenjan comes in and tells, um, and this is a statement that was released by Kenjan earlier today, uh, on Friday, um, 26th of November. Kenjan came and told investors that, you know, according to the case, we always do a revaluation of all our assets um, at the end of every um, five years. So Kenjan was literally telling guys, we are not going to do this today, but we're going to do this later. We'll be doing this um Actually, they were saying they'd be doing that this year. But you know, one of the things, guys, that comes into my uh, to my question, just for Kenjin, is there are a lot of things that were in question for Kenjin. The first one, which I know a lot of shareholders have been concerned about, is um, Kenjin had actually mentioned, Kenjin did not inform investors that they were about a profit warning. And in case you've been following on to this keenly, guys, remember we mentioned that um, for a company to issue a profit warning, that technically means that the profit or um, the the performance of the current financial year uh, will be more than 25% of the performance of the uh, of the previous financial year. So, in this case, um, will be lower by by above 25%. So, in this case, we think Kenjin had an opportunity to actually inform shareholders um, about this, but then 
candidate didn't come and they did not issue this to shareholders and so that's literally one of the things that jumps in and so that dropped into a bit where we're seeing non-compliance with capital markets authority the regulations act that are coming in and says the company must come in and issue um, a profit warning now in this case we're seeing Kenjin's profit was down um, for the actually the revenue growth was way way lower um, but Kenjin was saying and I'll just quote this from the statement that was released by Kenjin Kenjin says the company's underlying business performance was strong contributing to 7% growth in profit before tax profit after tax however declined due to reversal of the corporate tax um, the corporate tax the one that was moved from 25 to 30% um, and the related resentment of the deferred tax liability and so they were saying they are con they're, they're currently in engagement with the capital markets authority um in my opinion and i think this might sound as a bit of a defensive stunt for kenjan mm -hmm. but i really think ali you know kenjan had an opportunity when they were announcing these financials they had an opportunity to inform shareholders even on the very day when they were announcing the results because We've seen companies like Transcentury and East African Cables, when they release the financials, they're giving you the financials, they release the profit warning this evening, and tomorrow morning they give you guys the financials. So just some, some, some form of um, notice that comes before yeah, time. Yeah, as long as it comes before the financials are released. So I don't really think it's just for Kenjan to say that um, they're now engaging regulators. Can you imagine guys who had a higher valuation for Kenjan and bought into Kenjan because they believe that the performance would have been higher? So... Technically, for me, I think they, they really don't have anything onto that bit. And then another thing, um, the most important thing here, guys, that guys really need to see is Kenya Power actually paid Kenjan and still made a profit. How much did they pay? Was it? 52 billion. 52 billion. 51 billion. 51 billion. Yeah. And Kenya Power made a profit. Guys, I honestly think I'm but looking at Kenya Power from previous the Previous time. reports by, by Kenjan were that one of the things that was really really weighing the company down was yeah, the well, Kenya power debt. Exactly. And I don't think, is the 52 billion the entirety of its debt? No, no. it's not, but yet it's, it's a substantial it's, it's amount. A substantial. It's, it's way over 80% of what Kenya power owes Kenjan. What's the total? I'll, I'll, I'll confirm onto that, I'll be able to give you guys that number as we proceed. Yeah, because um, also another question I had is, of course we've had a few developments with Kenjan around the continent and this is with regards to the drilling in ethiopia and djibouti does that come into play when it comes to the auditor's report yeah is so that guys, one of the things here is kenjan also commented about the, the operations in ethiopia and one of the things that kenjan says is the ethiopian uh, office it's just a branch and it's yet to be a subsidiary mm -hmm. um, and so there's nothing really much that is going in apart from the project that they're doing with the it's called TMGO or TGMO something like that TMGO um, the yeah I think Tulemois yeah TMGO so it's Tulemois geothermal operations mm -hmm. uh, and so they're saying that that was approved with them uh, Kenjin had has received a tax identification number and business license um, in Ethiopia and this were to be this these were majorly put in so as to facilitate the operations in Ethiopia. We'll still be looking out for more information onto that. Um, I think one of the things that we're seeing here, uh, I think yesterday as well in the morning before uh, all this began, Kenjan had released that they were starting the operations for the drilling operations in Ethiopia in Djibouti. Uh, weirdly enough, guys, earlier on in Kenjan in, in the year, Kenjan actually said on first of June that they were to begin 
the same same drilling which they're beginning again um which they were starting yesterday what do you think would have happened because i also noticed that 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 news piece appeared twice in in a space of like six months apart i personally for me i think kenzen was getting a lot of heat this is guys this is my personal opinion doesn't necessarily um imply what the team at hisa thinks but i feel kenzen was trying to do appear to kill the activity for the auditors report because they had sent almost a similar report in june right, mm-hmm. right. when they were saying that this was coming in through but then right now we're seeing this the same same statement coming in so personally for me i think that was a pr stunt where they were trying to see if another statement would actually be out because they had stated that they started they had started drilling in djibouti <laughs> and i think it's quite surprising to notice this because you can see that before beforehand in the report that produced in june mm-hmm. the ag had also put them on spot for about 90 billion installed projects from close to the from 2 to 10 years ago in that span of 2 to 10 years there's 90 billion worth of projects that are stalled felix you know, i feel like that's, that's and, we're, energy, and we're going to join an energy company on the nsc that you were rooting for <laughs> yeah and then all of a sudden It's, i believe i have been blinded by kenjan for a very long time until a point when right now you're trying to see on the various valuation metrics mm-hmm. and then you feel like oh my god it's been bad you know mm-hmm. i i think that's something that's scary because i honestly feel that this is a company that has probably been playing a lot in terms of pr and it's now point because i don't know rollins can you imagine close to 90 billion worth of stall projects stall projects so technically and they're still like, going around drilling yeah. <laughs> giving pr that they are now starting no, new projects man. No, no no it's 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 a huge joke um i i personally feel that they can be able to do better um at least for now because in may 20 actually on may 23rd um kenjan said they was they were starting to uh, they were starting the project in a town called galalekoma in djibouti djibouti yeah they gr- they really spreading wings <laughs> yeah so i i i mean what would really happen because why did this take long on may kenjan said they were to pick this and now they have stalled project i don't know about you i don't know about um everybody else who's listening or for various analysts out there on the market but i think we're starting to see a lot of um questions that are coming with kenjan and this might just it might just turn out to be a rabbit hole are you concerned as an investor definitely i am you have you know? to be i think The AG pointed out that for the po- some of the projects they're done but there's no profitability coming from these projects. Mm-hmm. So like the fi- there's 592 million that went into Ameru wind farm and that was in 2012. So 10 years on they're still seeing the numbers are not quite good enough for the books. So looking at it it's really tricky for you as an investor if you're going to try out for something like Engine Kenjan I wonder, but but then um Felix just as we close on this matter Kenjan released a statement yes mm-hmm. they they reacted to the auditors to the auditors remarks or rather to the media statements depending on how we want to look at this mm-hmm. uh what are some of the what are some of what was some of their you know rationale or their explanations I'm I'm avoiding the word defense no um Ali I think just as I mentioned the first thing that Kenjan said is that um the non valuation of the property and plant um equipment plant and equipment they say that they usually do that in after every 5 years mm-hmm. they didn't do that in 2020 because of covid i mean i, I really don't know if i don't that's know something. yeah 
I mean, so COVID has been one of those things that many yeah. companies have gotten away with. Exactly. So they're really saying they didn't do that because of COVID, you know, the travel restrictions and everything else. But guys, really, Kenjan? I don't know. It's like Kenya Power saying that we couldn't get electricity because of COVID. Yeah, that's a huge problem. Okay. Um, another thing they said is for the capital work in, in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that... The various energy projects, uh, mostly in the geothermal infrastructure, require significant uh, lead time. And so they say that the company has invested in significant geothermal wells that will provide steam for upcoming geothermal projects. And they've said that um, they're just looking a lot in terms of commissioning this and assigning assigning some of these drilled um, opportunities to various projects. Um, on amounts due from KPLC, just as we mentioned earlier on, KPLC paid Ken 15 billion. Uh, they also talked about 51 billion. Yeah, right. Yeah, which actually it's more than because it's 51 billion, um, including taxes to cover for both debt and current bills. So I don't know. I feel like I'm so proud of Kenya Power. Like never been proud of Kenya Power. <laughs> never. Ali, like, we've been in this show with you. I think uh, for a very long time, and I've never talked about Kenya Power on the positive side, right? Yeah. I mean, Kenya Power is the Uganda of stocks listed on the NSC, and now. <laughs> I don't know, guys. It's, it's you had to find right. a way to drag Uganda here, didn't you? Jeez, guys in Uganda, by the way, are going to talk about the MTN IPO. Just to tell which, you guys which closed on, on Monday. Yeah, on Monday. Okay. First things first, um, now that we're here, the, the MTN Uganda IPO closed on Monday and there was a lot of... Um, there's no way of saying this nicely. There was a lot of media fanfare in Kenya with regards to the <coughs> IPO and it was hyped in uh, various channels, including, you know, Channels that I don't necessarily agree with the sources of news, but here we are. Um, how do you feel about this? Um, from, a, from, from where I sit, us being one of the channels that talked about the MT in Uganda IPO, our space had a huge following and a huge audience, and uh, guys looked like they wanted to do it. But then uh, we, are, we are yet to see the results because they are yet to come out. I feel like it's going to be down. You feel like it's going to be down? Undersubscribed. Why do you feel like it's going to be undersubscribed? And um, this is given given the fact that, you know, we've seen how other um, IPOs for Taukos have done. We've seen, we saw what happened in Tanzania with Vodacom. Of course, um, we've seen how the reigning giant on the NSC did. Why do you think this one is going to be down? Guys, we've we've talked about this. Um, we've argued about this. MTN is not Safaricom. MTN Uganda is not Vodafone, guys. Yep. At least, just in my opinion. The first things first. There's, there's been a lot of red flags, guys. Um, <clears throat> and sorry about this, guys. In case you have, you you probably um, you know you you, you probably subscribe to the MTN IPO. Um, it doesn't mean that necessarily the company is wrong, but I, I would just think it's it's a good one, but it's for a very long term, you know. Uh, this would take pretty much long, considering that the first thing here in this case is we need to just figure out that there was a case. And this is one thing that CMA did so wrong for me, guys. Um, the Capital Markets Authority should have informed local investors that MTN Uganda actually had a case in the High Court of Uganda, you know talking about the overall activity, the prospectors that the MTN IPO was issued at. So 
So there was a bit of a problem with the valuation of MTN by a few guys, you know. When you say and, a bit and, of a problem, what do you exactly mean? Um, so, okay, I'd say like it was approved without going through the proper channels, mostly the valuation metrics mm-hmm. for MTN UG. Um, and guys, in case you're wondering, they took this to court. A few investors took this to court and they actually won. So it technically means CMA Uganda did not. But then if they won, why, why didn't we see any action? Because everything proceeded. Come on, they won on Friday. Jersey. Yeah, like on oh, Friday last week. Last week, Friday. Yeah. They, so this they, this they, should have been pertinent information that should have been, been rather. I feel like the moment when there was an issue in court, the Ugandan um, regulator should have at least have, mentioned it. No, they should have stopped and said there's a current issue in court. This should be stopped until everything else is resolved. Um, I know this, this question is probably a non-issue, but do you think... Um, the, the questions on their valuation would have had or could potentially have informed investors to think differently in terms of whether or not they wanted to participate in the IPO. I just replied to you with, with another, almost a similar question. Mm-hmm. Do you think the valuation report which they gave affected the share activity to shareholders, the subscribers? Probably. Exactly. So as long as there was any issue with the valuation, then there's a high possibility that we would have seen another different action altogether in this. So yeah, I still think so. And guys, in my opinion, I I really think MTN Uganda, the shares, um, the IP is going to be undersubscribed. Um, there are a few things here that I know I just want to mention to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, MTN was looking to bring in at least 108,000 new shareholders. Uh, by the close of the IP on Monday, that number was only somewhere around 61, 62,000. Uh, and this, most of this information will be out um, next week. Um, yeah, exactly next week, on Friday next week, when we have the results for the MTN um, IPO. Uh, so literally, you're seeing MTN was expecting to bring in about $250 million from the IPO. Mm-hmm. There is uh, most likely with the decline in the number of targeted shareholders. Looking at this, comparing this to the SCD accounts which were open, then we could, we could in the end face a lower number. From the 250 million the concern about this would also be just how many corporate entities really invested in mtn uganda um mtn was really doing a lot of you know uh just as you mentioned um i, I wouldn't call it media buying but i would say really more looking for mass publicity exactly mass publicity i, I think mtn was doing mtn did a lot of activity here in kenya even more than they did in uganda I don't know about you, but literally feel that. And then the timelines as well for this IPO was pretty short. They should have put it to, at least they should have extended it to be a longer time frame. Because I know they did it for about one month, mm-hmm. which I think was short. Comparing that this is a time when guys were just looking at, you know, guys were looking at bringing in money. Guys are looking at, you know, we were, we were from an, an, a period where guys were seeing cash is king. Where it, it was during the period where the COVID hit, uh, the, the pandemic hit, and everybody was trying to save as much as they can. When you want to convince guys to jump into that, don't try to make guys feel like, hey, you need to jump into this or you're going to lose. Most people are coming. So that, that formal thing. And, yeah, and then finally, one thing I need, um, I'll just tell you guys that. Um, so, the basic thing that I look at MTN IPO is, unlike most of the other IPOs that we've seen, for most of these telcos, MTN's IPO was, um, it was more of, 
I wouldn't say it wasn't. I would say it wasn't really um, a capital a capital driven IPO. It was regulator driven, of course. Yeah, exactly. It's just that the company um, found ways to turn lemonade into lemons. And then, and then finally, guys, are you just talking about this? The same same MTN CEO who actually spoke against being pushed or being driven to go public about I think about two years back. Mm-hmm. Is the same guy who comes and tells you, you know what, now let us go public. I mean, they should have had a change of that guy, to be honest. Wim. Okay, Wim is good, definitely. But if Wim says that, hey, it's like telling me that I don't want to go to war, then I give you a gun and now you're the baddest guy, you're killing everybody out there. But Felix, here's the thing, it's not like they had an option. What, what they, would have been the anti- no, they didn't have an option. Exactly. But but Wim had an opportunity to tell guys like, hey, I don't think this was a good idea. I'll leave. I don't know. I feel like that would have been an extreme case. But again, that, okay. that that's that's a good debate to have to have <laughs> offline. Absolutely, absolutely, guys. I'd really love to know your thoughts. We're just going to start about um, a discussion. We'll start this discussion on Hisa. Just about your thoughts on MTN, um, and we'll definitely be able to. I'll just be able to listen to your thoughts and. See if you guys share with me the same opinion regarding um, MTN IPO. Uh, and just what you think. We can have a short poll before that will close on Thursday evening so that we don't have guys voting after Friday. We just want to see how probably your accurate data is so you can vote and it will be totally anonymous. So you're the one who will know if you voted good or not. Right. Um, I think what I'm curious, what I'm really curious again, the results of the IPO are yet to come out. Um, Tamisi, you participated. Not quite. Not I, quite. I just enjoyed the only media. investing. I in enjoyed. Crypto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was simply enjoying their media activity. Right. Yeah, as they were going around creating publicity. I think what I'm what I'm really curious is um the the effect of the MIPO. And I feel like that's the easiest way or rather one that's, of the ways that's going to That's a game changer. That's a game changer, exactly. And you know what? Why don't we have that on the LSE? Come on, we can have that here. Why can't we have that here? We can't have that here because of CBSC. So, okay, first of all, guys, just in case you're wondering what an MIPO is, for MTN Uganda, guys were, guys had an opportunity to actually open um, an account or to set up an SCD account in Uganda just by dialing a short code. So, and the main reason why this was very possible is for the guys who have um, registered for SIM cards in Uganda, guys go through biometric and passport and everything else. Oh, really? Biometric? Yeah. And passport? Yeah. You, so you can't register photo. dead people in Uganda no, 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 you in can't. Kenya? You can't. Your passport photo has to be survive. taken and you have to key in your biometric. So by the time when the, the registration bureau is looking at your phone number, they can actually confirm it's Rollins who's setting up the account mm-hmm. and everything else goes through because they know that Rollins is the one who set up this line. It was his biometrics, which definitely matched the registration bureau data. I had a friend who said they went to Uganda and it took them two hours to open, to, to get a SIM card. I'm like, what? guys, <laughs> I would go to Safaricom shop and... Safaricom and, shop? And shop. buy them archives. <laughs> There's people oh, walking around oh, no, with, free, with free, free lines and you get, you're just buying airtime. Buy airtime and you, you have yourself a SIM card. Okay. Tembea Kenya, I need to walk. Clearly. But really, um, that's that's actually the one thing that um that's kept me holding my breath with regards to the MTN IPO, and um, given that I know the MTN debuted it with the Ugandan Securities Exchange, I'm curious as to whether 
or rather what extent it will it will a bring more retail investors mm -hmm. b um, help other companies that would want to list in the ugandan market because this is this is i think this is going going but to be you know one of the things is M mipo is very good for local investors yeah it's it's only for local investors for us it's not it's not available for investors it, it's technically nothing to us yeah but yeah. then it, i feel like it, it's it's that writing on the wall guys but felix you said something about the cdc sorry i interrupted you okay guys so here uh, let me tell you guys one thing so i i first of all my background is in investment banking and so guys this is what used to happen previously Yes. Yeah, I, I had to, guys. I had to grab. <laughs> so what what really used to happen previously is you used to come to your broker, they fill in your details and they set up the account for you. And that was close to within 10, 5, 10 to 15 minutes, you'd have your CDSC account ready. Mm -hmm. And then in mid-2019, um, CDSC moved the systems from the Oracle-based system to a new provider. And what happened next year is now brokers have to fill in your forms or you have to fill in the forms send them to the broker and then the broker takes them to cdsc can you imagine that i can so that is why nowadays from the 15 10 to 15 minutes that used to be there for setting up your cdsc account i can assure you ali you might take your form to the broker and it will take them no less than 24 hours to set up your cdsc account that technically means if you wanted to open your CDSC account today to trade in stocks on the Nairobi Securities Exchange, it would actually, if you if you wanted, you know you've seen that very hot stock, mm -hmm. or you have inside information, guys, yeah, guys have inside information. You have inside information here. Um, you probably want to buy NBV, like though it's been rallying like some hot. I'd like to clarify that he said as was associate himself <laughs> with whatever <laughs> statements that are coming from his side of no, the table. No, guys, exactly. Eh. Just, just as I also, Mwakaneno is not part of this. No, this is just my opinion, guys. But if you, if okay, this is just an example. It's not really my opinion, mm -hmm. but just an example. If you've seen some hot stock and you want to jump into it, what happens next? I do. You, you want to set up your CDC account. You buy it. An example is if you wanted to sell to buy Kenjan yesterday before the results were released the issues oh sorry not yesterday not kenjan but if you wanted to buy say like home housing finance you know hf group or any other company so that instantaneous yeah, reaction to no the market is what, I mean, is what is really unique. i i i set up and guys i won't lie to you guys i set up my account i didn't participate in the mtn um ipo but then i set up my account and then i picked up everything like i i, I submitted my details and everything else and you know i got my scd account in less than 20 minutes wow. on my mail I didn't even have to go to a broker. One this is what the, the NSA one should. Good thing coming the out one of thing Uganda. from Uganda, guys. I'm disappointed at the NSC. <laughs> disappointed. Life, Felix. Life. Yeah, and Jeff, in case you're listening, disappointed at you guys. Jeff was still buddies. KQ, what do you guys think about? the strategic partnership between um, Kenya Airways and South African Airways. I guess I'd let And also, um, I'm just going to say this out loud. Uh, my brother's from South Africa. The way you look at our guy when he came there is not the way he is. We know his real face. Moving on. Uh, looking at KQ and South African Airways, their intentions are to increase the passenger traffic. 
So how exactly they do this is by having a Pan-African system. So I don't know how exactly this will pan out, considering Kenyans and KQ. <laughs> Kenyans' view of KQ is a bit, you know, on the negative. But have you looked at Come South on, African Airways? It's not just about looking. Do you guys know that South African Airways actually shut down, like shut down completely without airlines, without any flights? Zero. South African Airlines. Not. Ali, you saw that video and they were doing the low flyby? No, I missed that one. Jeez. I mean, why are we even partnering with South African Airways? Just to be honest, guys, how do we even start partnering with a company like SA? KQ itself is in problems, so... It's like two dead cows trying to hold <laughs> each other. They're going to hold stronger. No, it's not going to happen, guys. I... I, I, I do not know. Um, like, yeah, it, it's it's a matter of what exactly did they have in mind that we don't know, that we haven't but seen. Seriously, they have, okay, here's, I, I'm assuming that this partnership is not out of any ignorance of malicious inst- intent. intent yeah. There has to be some, there has to be some reason that really what is it? Is part That's of what I'm <laughs> That's what everyone's trying to find out. Honestly, guys, I don't see anything here. Kenya Airways and South African Airways. So, guys, in case you're wondering, this is what happened. So KQ and SAA said that they were looking at establishing um, a regional airline, that's an African airline, by 2023. Um, and so whatever that the two countries actually signed, or the two companies, was to bring in more in terms of a Pan-African career. So they were trying to develop a strategic, which I think is more of a random partnership framework, not strategic, mm-hmm. um, in this case. And I, I really think that this would be a really huge challenge um, for the two companies because all all the two companies have been making um, a huge of a huge losses uh, last year alone we saw KQ post a loss of about 11.49 billion and this has been in terms of you know by generally we've seen KQ really try to cut costs but still the same same issues have really been persistent for the company so in my opinion I really think this won't be anything anything to to be scared of. Um, Kenya Airways should be more scared about regional liners really trying to jump back into into its space. We've seen companies like Tanzanian Airways. I know Ali, this is something you're going to touch about, but I mean, we've seen Tanzania Airways, we've seen um, Fly Ethiopian, which has really taken quite some time to mm-hmm. jump into this space. Right. <laughs> so really, it's, it's a really, really huge challenge. At least in my personal opinion, this would be um, a downer for for the two countries. I mean, the strategic partner that we need at this time is somebody who's already into profitability who can be able to hold us up. Or oh, you think if your airlines will be down for that? Ethiopian. No, no, <laughs> why would they? Why would they? Definitely take... not Ethiopian, but guys, Rwandair. we can touch with Ugandan <laughs> Airlines, you know. Guys, Ugandan Airlines has two Airbus. <laughs> they bought two Airbus, the Neo, the, you know. <laughs> Come on. But Felix, no, like, what Felix, do you guys think about Felix. Uganda? Felix. <laughs> I mean, Uganda. Uganda Felix and Uganda. Felix. Um, here's the thing. I'm, I'm happy you've actually mentioned um, African Airlines because when they announced partnership, um, what the two parties said um, was this was a step towards uh, starting a pan-African airline group yeah. in they, the next no, two they, years. Do they even have the cost? <laughs> Individually. They talked about the cost. Do they have the funds to really support the cost in which they want to? 
I mean, these are companies. Anger is coming been from bankruptcy. Going, South Africa is just coming from no. bankruptcy. I think it's a it's a joke. I feel like the, the idea of a Pan African airline is good. No, the, no, the idea, execution. The idea itself, it's it's perfect. And the resources. And remember, I think way back um, during a show um, for We Curious, remember we talked about this and we mentioned that one of the things that is really interesting, Ali, is it would be interesting to see each African country really just you know jump into its strength mm-hmm. where racing countries really stop competing against each other but and to sort bring of in work together exactly so that would be something where we seeing things that jump in more in terms of pan africanism where we're seeing the airline industry being dominated by ethiopian but it's up it's 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 supporting the entire african continent at very stable prices not so that you know the challenge we've seen with africa is where if if a country or if a region is strong at one point they definitely take advantage of other areas by putting higher prices or something like that so it would be more of where one is there but the other smaller airlines would just be able to complement it mm-hmm. yeah like the way we've seen jumbo jet do to kq it's never really seen as a competition between the two of them and in case case you in case if you're wondering jumbo jet is actually a subsidiary of kq it's doing awfully well it's doing awesome but i am i'm actually happy that you mentioned guys please i hope jumbo jet is not being dragged into this mess <laughs> we don't want to start flying jumbo jet all the way to 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 to, to um johannesburg i mean we don't want to be in those <laughs> is there a okay. war you have that, you, I was just that about we don't to say, know about I, I was just about to say tab by this but yeah. <laughs> sorry about that guys no I, i'm happy here's the thing you mentioned um you mentioned turbines no tanzania <laughs> felix you mentioned tanzania and um there's a reaction earlier with regards to the partnership between um kq and south african airlines and um someone from the tanzania air operators association actually the executive secretary latifa said that um you know what maybe tanzania should watch out for that too and perhaps if this if this if this should work tanzania should consider tanzania should consider um emulating it and maybe partnering with another formidable player like Ethiopian like airlines how, i mean, how I mean is uganda, uganda can actually partner with tanzania we've seen uganda drop kenya out of opportunities and pick tanzania mm-hmm. i mean uganda betrayed us and went the pipeline route to tanzania very sad very sad indeed guys but i think there are other players within this area that have jumped in and have proven to be very very efficient we've mm-hmm. seen countries like rwanda the rwanda has has really been doing very awesome and rwanda has been um signing a lot of code share agreement we're waiting them jumping into various um zones as well i think just the other day um early this year they started um a route a competition of a route with kq mm-hmm. where they they're going they're flying to to hanzu through nairobi you know how weird that is no because kenya airways recently told its airline air, its pilots Fly to, to Nair- from no, nairobi no, to hanzu no no kenya kq has been flying to hanzu for a very long time right but i don't know if it's because rwanda had jumped into the nairobi hanzu route because K- kq told its its crew to actually fly faster whatever that means <laughs> and i've seen this meme where guys are telling um, captain koki to kanyaga yo <laughs> kanyaga yo dream line like, maybe maybe i've just seen videos with 
with with matatu background music oh. <laughs> it's disturbing no it's because K- kiki was actually telling it's um kiki told its its pilots to, to make faster flights to, to fly faster um they're saying that because there are various international regulations that guide uh, passenger airlines and kq is actually telling kq was telling the pilots that hey you know what this is a contract that you've signed with kenya airways and not international bodies and so they're telling K- um pilots to go beyond i think it's about it's there's i'm not um i'm not mileage because i'm not i'm not a pilot so yeah you've been told to 80 kilometers per hour and then all just, of a sudden just you... cut the story straight sema tu kq wanasema very very relatable straightforward um i don't know there's a podcast we did with uh, ayata and uh, i'm curious to see how this partnership and and if or should it trigger another partnership in the region so maybe yeah, with uh, air tanzania and some regional player what this would mean for um the single african air transport market because that's something that ayata has really really been, been been pushing in the continent i mean we'll have to see my main question now would really be and my my curious cut would be is kq going to take advantage of the issues in ethiopia and jump back into this into this Wait market so do they you would... think do you think um no i feel like with even with ethiopian issues we have there's a lot there's a lot to no, solve in kenya no like first of all we do not have we definitely don't have enough um aircrafts you know most of our aircrafts are actually on leaves right yeah so we Oh guys and even the what dreamliners was in the eight bob and nine bob Yeah, okay. Back back to the story. <laughs> guys, I think those 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 aircraft might have been bought by the Ugandan government. <laughs> Felix at Uganda today. <laughs> uh, um guys, this week we saw um we saw this is unconfirmed i have not talked to anyone in safaricom but then what do you guys think about ads on the mpesa year on end it would be work it would be bad but it would be good for revenue for safaricom as always i'm on the tech side of things so for myself i oh. see their side of and somebody who works, to do who works in, in advertising how is this yeah. possible uh just as you download the app you usually accept to some terms and conditions and you give them some permissions one so, of them is in a part yeah they they have a lot of your data and what they stroke we do is we use that data to offer you But products that you actually need come to think about it an ad inside the mpesa app could yeah. trigger you to view the product and, and buy purchase almost and instantly guess how you're going like, to pay just impressive it's, it's, it's literally it's, they just did the reverse process you just going I to think s- it's genius i'd be very uncomfortable yes i do not like pop-ups or any other yeah, things when i'm doing transactions like i actually have modded apps because we can't have the avoid ads. ads i think yeah. they'll find a way to make it integrated into the app so that you don't actually feel the annoyance of pop-ups they and just, stuff like that 
Okay, um, like okay. there's I'm there, sure there's their bundles ones. stuff. There's their bundles. You don't usually the notice. Rolling yeah, banner. the banners they usually have, and you don't usually notice that ah. it's part of it. So if it becomes too much, I'm just gonna move down to SDK. Sooner rather than later, you're just going to be buying stuff because you're. No, in the I think we can just move back to the SDK. I mean, we were living with SDK very comfortably before this jump up. So you're going but to SDK just so that you don't spend money. Of utilities is that the challenge with with the utility um, that jumps into all this is that. You know, these conveniences that the companies jump in and create a utility value in all of this, yeah, and then it does it, it just stopped. There's a way when you get to jump into, there's a way when you do an efficiency bit, mm-hmm. it kills. It's like Kenya Power coming and connecting you with electricity, and then all of a sudden, you want to say you want to jump back into candles, yeah, that you know, doesn't work. Like that's the thing, yes, they've already an, caught you. I mean, yes, you have an opportunity to jump back into back candles, this, but you won't do it. But you won't hear me out. This is what I think. First of all, Safaricom has two apps for MPESA, at least for yeah. for, for a customer. Mm-hmm. No, I do they, not know about the rest. There's the MPESA Super app, and then no, there's, there's the MPESA Safari. Super app, which is the MPESA app, and, and then there's, and then, and then the, there's my the My Safari. My Safari. Safari. Okay. Uh, I like how the the MPESA app is tuned. It's, it's tuned. Yeah. It's the interface is smooth. Mm-hmm. The completing a transaction takes me under ten seconds. That's back to back, and um, I I usually use Safaricom should pay me for this. <laughs> I usually use fingerprint verification, so that the the oh, clicking yeah. is and, the and, validation. And actually, right now the, there's an update that came in earlier today, mm-hmm. where you no longer need to use your biometrics. They, it's it's a login opt out, so the only time you key in, so you can go into the Ooh, super app without any biometrics, yeah. mm-hmm. and then at the point when you key in all the other steps of confirming your pin and everything is when you want to check your balances mm-hmm. or you want to now confirm a transaction. Yeah, that's when you use your biometrics. Yeah. But then so what I'm trying to say is, I usually use my my biometrics to sort of approve transactions. Forget the login, and for me that makes it significantly Seamless. fast, and it feels safer in public when I don't want people to see yeah, my impersonal. Yeah, your number. Yeah. I I like my two bob where it is, you know. It's only two bob. In my impersa. Pretty much. Is it two Ugandan shillings? <laughs> M-Pesa. Oh, Why would M-Pesa. I have you get a shilling in an M-Pesa account? Okay, oh, by the way, guys, I, I, I usually joke about this, but trust you guys, I have 2,000 Ugandan shillings in my wallet at all times. Months is holding the I've government. I've had that for, for the past three years. 2,000 Ugandan shillings. You are running the economy. You can see that. I mean, like the 2,000 The economy survives on you. No, I, can go, I can go to the border and... I'd like to clarify that <laughs> 63 shillings <laughs> and 18 cents. That's Chapo Smoky. In, in select oh, no, neighborhood. Yes, Mans is holding Uganda's economy. Yes, I'm holding Uganda's economy here. 2,000 Uganda shillings. Circulation. Just, just in case I'm ever arrested, I can talk to the Ugandan police. I don't know if they'll 2,000 shillings though. Anyway, um, Felix, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that got us, got us excited. Um, let's, let's take it up a region, a regional knot, mm-hmm. um, or maybe a global knot, Uber. Mm-hmm. Felix, before we actually get to, to the real news, the real what happened with the Uber results? I think it's something that we mentioned, you actually mentioned in, in, in Markets Monday, but then before I get to the exciting bit, I'd like, let's talk about the stock. Alright guys, so Uber has been on the rise, um, in case you're wondering, um, Uber is at, so Uber closed the other day, Uber Technologies closed the other day, 
Um, it was down about 5%, but mm-hmm. if you look at Uber in terms of, okay, it's been down, guys, it's not been on the gain side. But it's been red, red. Uh, in terms of year to date, Uber has been down 17.7%. The six month performance is 17.68%. The one month performance for Uber is 8.56%. Mm-hmm. And the five day that is over the past few days, Uber has been down 5.5%. And also, um, on, on Uber alone, um, today alone, I'm seeing it's also on the decline. On the day when Uber apparently announced the announcement that Ali is going to talk about, it actually dropped all the way. Um, dropped? After close, yes, dropped all the way down. Wait, to what's up with you, money investors, Bunny? You, you guys, come on. I mean, I'm a when they go, how you go? Okay, <laughs> maybe first Ali, you need to tell guys what, what Uber is bringing. Right. Guys. Maybe we should have started uh, with this. Uh, 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 markets first. You know, we are, we are Hisa and all the good stuff. Um, Uber is making its first foray into the marijuana market. At last. It's more than at last. It's, it's simple terms. In simple terms, guys, Uber is delivering weed. Well, I, let me let me clarify. First of all, yeah. um, Uber will start as usual. The rollout will begin in the global north, so Canada and the US. And, and, and let me tell you something: you will not be able to VPN your way through this. It's oh not yeah. Spotify. It's very weird. I know a few guys within this room mm-hmm. who would actually be able to VPN. Uber talk to me directly. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to talk to me. Anyway, so so um they're, they're going to be delivering um marijuana products via the Uber Eats app. And of course, um you're going to be required to um confirm your your, your, your legal age and everything before before you before you sort of access this service. I so think yes. it's pretty um, much interesting, Ali. You know, it, it's actually delivery in an hour. So if you're out there uh, in the world where where marijuana is legal, legal and your pedi takes more than one hour, maybe in in the near future you might be able to Uber it your way through this. You know, Ali. Um, marijuana delivery. Okay. Marijuana. Ma- marijuana. marijuana I don't on know, Uber I'll just give you guys the figures. Um, the cannabis business in in Canada is currently worth about five billion Canadian dollars. Uh, this is, you know, we're looking at this as a growth in terms of year on year where just a few years ago this was valued way lower, just something below about $3 billion um, Canadian dollars. Now it's, a, it's already up um, and the lockdown seemed to have caused a bit of a rise in uptake mm-hmm. um, for um, cannabis and so Uber Eats is jumping onto this, but then there are a few things that Uber Eats is also putting into place. First of all, mm-hmm. is verification of, a, of ID. Mm-hmm. We've seen this really happen even with the local apps. An example is if you were to order, and I know Global really implemented this, where if you were to order, I don't know if they still implement this, but if you were to order wine or if you were to order any alcoholics on um, alcoholic stuff on Global, when the rider gets to your place, they would ask you to give them the ID because they need to key in your identity number, your, your date of birth. Oh, right. From your ID before they can be able to, um, to, to, to verify, to close that delivery. I don't know if they still do that though. Um, but that is one thing that I know they put, they put that up some time back. And so this is just an important bit. So all of this, um, the big question would really be on how Uber would be able to sign up the producers. And there's a lot of case to, there's a lot of case study in this because remember Ali, we also have a lot of illegal marijuana producers globally. Um, yes. And Canada has one of the highest illegal producers of marijuana. 
just in case guys were thinking that Canada is better than Uganda in this case, no. <laughs> we still have, um, I believe, yeah, I, honestly, I believe Museven has controlled. I don't know what Can- Canadians living in Uganda feel, oh, sorry, Ugandans living in Canada, Canada, with regards to your comments. Exactly, like, so we're seeing um, the Canadian business, really, it's going to jump in through. The main concerns would be just what level will Uber really do to, you know, on board the, the, the legal or the licensed marijuana dealers in, in Canada. I'm happy you brought that up, actually, because um, Uber is partnering with Tokyo Smoke, uh, mm-hmm. which is um which is which is um a cannabis company it's a, it's a cannabis source. retailer in in um in canada. in canada so uh that's that is one of the ways they're trying to um sort of work around the, the large number of illegal producers and again they're watching the opportunities evolve because i'm sure i'm sure this could bring um could trigger public sentiment and um, that might or might not influence regulation, or at least how they look at it. So it's it's one of those spaces that's that's there to watch. But then this is what I like about the about the concept. Yes. So Uber delivers you your stuff. You get munchies. Mm-hmm. And then Uber it brings you food. Brings you food. Profit. Guys, you hear the name that they call this munchies. Right, <laughs> you've I learned mean, something new. They, they they create a problem and then and then they solve it all within the ecosystem. Yeah. So like so like Ali, imagine you your Uber guys doing a delivery and then you're like, hey, you first know of what? all, I mean, no. second of all, I don't do drugs. <laughs> no, like like literally somebody, you know, like somebody would say like, hey, um, so you've ordered something from Tokyo Smoke. It's your Uber. It's your Uber ride. I'm on the way. And you'll be like, yeah, please pass by the by the McDonald's store and bring me some. Right, yeah. I'm right. definitely gonna be hungry after. Yeah. For sure. I think that's the same thing that Mpesa is, Safaricom is doing, having you on the Mpesa app and seeing ads. Which oh, is I thought, yeah, I thought you were seeing Safaricom in cannabis. Ooh. Wow, I didn't see that one. <laughs> you're wondering <laughs> Safaricom in cannabis. We're having those in the same sentence. Ah, okay, <laughs> both green, right? Oh yeah, by the way. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, I think this is all we had for today. But before we close, um, Felix, uh-huh. Markets Monday. What are we expecting? First of all, just more about Kenjin. Another thing is um, we've seen a lot of companies read. Oh, guys, Ali, we've not spoken about something. Let me just bring it back in. Oh, my God. The Asset Recovery Agency today froze the account of um, the 21-year-old female who had 102 million. Million. I even forgot to mention that. That's like the first thing that's been on my mind. The lady's name is Felista Nyamatiran Jaroge. And yes. 102 million in her account, a new. And new all she account. can do, all she can do is watch. All she can do is watch. It's so sad. How long is it? Six months. No, they have to. It's until they get an agreement. So this agreement is the asset recovery agencies would, you know, acquire those funds and say acquire. Is, yeah. Okay. Recover. I would shake. Let me just say. Eh? Okay, I'd say acquire because it's not. It's not a recovery. One or two. No, because I, you know, one of, one of the things here is that it's not a recovery, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's not like this is any stolen funds yeah. from the government. It's that just clarity yeah. on the sources and yes. everything. And if you, if you look at this, guys, um, at times it's so easy to deal with regulators. There are lots of things that this lady would have done to ensure, to ensure the safety of her funds. Yeah. And she did not do that. She went against... And guys, I know a lot of guys would disagree with me onto this, but there are a lot of paperwork that she didn't do correctly. She only indicated the funds as from my boyfriend. So anything else that she was being asked was from my boyfriend. boyfriend. Nobody denies that the funds are from her boyfriend. 
But so, there are lots of things within the Money Laundering Act. First of all, is yeah. you need to clarify if these are proceeds of crime. And proceeds of crime doesn't necessarily mean that the lady must have been involved or must might have been involved in a crime. Yeah. It's as simple as knowing if the gentleman had legit money. Because yeah. you'd imagine Resources, yeah. if the gentleman killed somebody else or killed, you know, uh, probably attacked planet Zeus and got all the gold from the planet yeah. and so Felix, too, Felix, hear me out. Um, what do we have um, on the side of the um, asset recovery uh, guys in terms of verifying independently, apart from telling um, telling you to pinky swear this yeah, money is legit? Swear, this is, now, yeah. What really happens like, is the what exactly do they the do? documentation. You know, the documentation bit when it gets to ARA, it's, and just not only on ARA, to any bank, the documentation bit is very high. The first thing here is you'll be told to show the source of the money. And let me tell you, Ali, I have, I have, I have met guys who were asked with Central Bank mm -hmm. of Kenya to provide ten years worth of bank statements just because of a one million tra shilling transaction that they did. On that's atrocious. I'm sorry, that sounds um, too much. Yeah, like it sounds too much. But let me just tell you, just to what level it does. If as long as you've been flagged, your account has been flagged um, by 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 the Financial Crimes Unit. Come on, man. It's Frozen to and just going to like, It's going to show up it's somewhere. And hectic. if you mention that this is from my salary, then, you then they have to follow up Now they're going to audit your salary. If you mention that this is from your savings, gonna you can start you. to audit your savings. Where my did you start saving from? Ending, ending. Yeah. So literally, guys, I think that's one thing that guys would jump into. So the audit phrase of just the AML laws globally are hard. We saw the other day when countries that have not been good in in money laundering countries like Turkey were put onto the EU's uh, to the global grey list for financial crimes just because they're not tough on the money laundering. And guys, in case you're wondering if you want to launder your money apart from Cyprus and Bri and Virgin Islands um, and British Islands, uh, the one thing that you can actually get is Turkey. Um, Felix, where are you going with this? Wow, good knowledge. Share uh, more, share more. We, we share investment. Yeah, just in keep going. I see you know a lot. Okay, guys, money laundering is illegal, guys. Just in case you're wondering. <laughs> right. Yes. yes. <laughs> As you were saying. We already talked about marijuana in the podcast. That's, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so just to jump in a bit on what this would happen for for this lady is now she needs to come in because, you know, Erin yeah, so. invited her and told her, mm -hmm. come and tell us the source of your wealth. That's all. So you know? what options does and she, she have income. in terms of... Rather, she went to the lawyers, and the lawyers say that client is out of the country. So Ooh. literally... Yeah, she just what, has to sort it out yeah, so, so literally what the area is telling them is, you know what? Let your client come back from outside the country. And, and then justify. Okay. Yeah. So once they talk, maybe they can come back. Um, they can probably jump in and bring... Um, what's his name? The, the, the billionaire. billionaire. And then they'll bring him in, and he can bring his BTC statement... If he sold it on Coinbase, if he sold it on Mount Gox, he can say this was from Mount Gox and this is the statement. He can access it. I sold this Bitcoin and this is the money that came into my account. Right. Just that way. It's so clear. When the two of them come in together, they'll, they'll manage to clear this up. But if they still want to play ping pong with, uh, yeah. with the government and the, regulation, the regulator, uh -huh. this money is going to sit in some soft account. It's going to be earning some interest, some non-funded income. And the babe won't get soft like out of it. Exactly. <laughs> She's going to watch it. Yeah. Right. Watch your money grow. Anyway, um, guys, that's going to be the end of this podcast. There's a lot of good things coming. First things first, um, if you haven't read the, the HISA newsletter, what the hell? Um, in, the His in the HISA newsletter, one of the things that really stood out for me 
um, was the case of Apple versus, versus Pegasus. And um, that's definitely something that you might want to read from the newsletter. If you don't have it, just go to hisa.substack.com. That's H-I-S-A dot S-U-B-S-T-S-E-K. Right. T-O-M. Second thing, second, this and many other amazing podcasts out there are brought to you by Hisa. Um, Hisa is the coolest app um, for, for getting news with what's happening in the market and tracking your favorite stocks in the Nairobi Stock Exchange. And Very soon enough, soon. global stocks coming are, soon. You know, I have the better mode, but then because of NDS, I can't tell you what's in there, but guess what? A lot of good things coming. Download Hisa app on Google Play Store and Apple App Store. Third thing starts, make sure that you follow the Kenyan Wall Street podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to. My name is Ali Mokaneno. I was your host. And this show is co-hosted by Felix Ocheng, your usual guy on Mondays, Fridays, and every other day on board. Have a lovely weekend. <laughs>